1: Well, hello and welcome back to the e commerce brain trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled and Acadia Company. And today I'm joined by one of my new colleagues from Acadia, Chad Crow. Welcome to the show, Chad.
0: Oh, thanks, Kiri. I, I appreciate you inviting me on to talk a little bit about really what I've seen from the Google Marketing Live event that that came up on the e-commerce side. So I'm really excited to chat a little bit more about that, but also just really, really excited to get to call you a colleague as well. So very excited for the conversation.
1: So just a little bit of an intro on you, Chad, because I think this will kind of set the stage for our conversation today as well. So you are a partner at Acadia and head up operations for the whole company. Before you joined Acadia, what were you doing and why do you know so much about Google?
0: Yeah, I can back you all the way up to the beginning of my career. Actually, I started in television and so I was a news reporter. Really? Yeah, for the first kind of year of my career and for a local, a small local cable station. It sounds way cooler than it probably really was. But anyway, that's where I started. And then you know, as cable subscriptions started drying up, this local station saw the need to cut costs on the television side and the need to find new revenue. And so I kind of proposed to them, hey, let us start building websites for some of your business clients. I mean, that's really how I got into kind of the e-commerce space. I built my first e-com website on some like god-awful open source code from WordPress. And it was for the chocolate caboose out of Blue Ridge. And so that was kind of my first go at it. And then kind of from there, I just started noticing some of the sites that I was working with getting traction and others not and trying to learn why and how and what we could do to get more traffic. And that was my kind of gateway into the paid realm. And so from there, I left and took a job after my excitement and and really enjoyment into really Google search.
1: What era was this like approximately?
0: Man, this was early 2000s. Maybe 2008, maybe? Yeah. And so I took an in-house job at an e-commerce business that pioneered selling industrial automation equipment to industrial engineers online. I figured, hey, you know, this would be a great job because if I could sell stuff to some of the most skeptical people on earth, (laughs) industrial engineers, I thought, hey, I could be winning. And so I did about five years there and was able to grow their e-commerce business significantly through paid search and eventually paid social as well which I think, again, even more of an accomplishment to sell industrial engineer parts and pieces over social media. But that was kind of the time when grandma and grandpas were jumping onto Facebook to see all of the grandkid pictures. And I was able to interrupt and interject there and win e-commerce business for them. And so that was kind of where I started with my paid search and paid social career. From there, a friend of mine from college, which I was probably six, seven years outside of college by this time approached me and said, hey, you know, I have an SEO business and would love to have a partner to do a paid search offering so we can be a holistic company for search. And long story short, we got together and what was kind of became Techwood Consulting, later Techwood Digital, and we did organic search and paid search for our clients. And then from there, we joined the Acadia family. And so that's kind of the progression of my paid search kind Mm. of history, but I definitely made my way into the digital marketing realm via paid search and definitely have a big heart there. And I love the math and science of it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you were there at the early days for all of those things. And actually, heart and... Sciences is is one of the call outs that you had from attending Google Marketing Live this year. And that's what we're here to dig into. You called out three themes from that event. Before we get into that and sort of contextualizing it for an e-commerce operator, I'll be honest, I wasn't that familiar with Google Marketing Live. So can you tell us a little bit more about that event and Is it typically where new ground is broken and announcements are made that really sort of indicate what is happening in the future or what do people usually take away from this type of event?
0: Yeah, it's kind of Google's, they do it pretty much yearly. It's their big pinnacle for, you know, people like me who enjoy paid search. They used to do it in person. I've been out to, you know, San Jose for it before, which is a lot of fun. The last couple of years have been, you know, virtual. This one was actually more hybrid, so they were really excited to have, and host this event this year as let's get back to kind of normal. But yeah, they usually launch a lot of new and talk about a lot of new betas and a lot of new case studies for things that they're starting to innovate on and give some strong indications of what the future is going to be.
1: Let's dig in there. One takeaway that you had was around the future of advertising being AI driven. And could you sort of summarize this through the lens of like an e-commerce store, D2C store.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a, a couple of really big things in that Google announced through Google Marketing Live, one of which would definitely be just going all in on AI enabled. So if you don't have a lot of experience with Google, they've gone through a kind of a period of, hey, there was all manual bidding based off of keywords for search. And then they started adding in you know, features and, and a lot of automation so that you can do some real time bidding and things like that. And they've more recently gone to this concept of AI enabled bidding. And so, really providing the algorithm with as much information as possible so that it can make real time decisions for you based off of the conversions you're targeting. And so, that kind of signals a couple of big things for me as Google goes all in that direction. The first really being how spot on your conversion tracking has to be for Google to really let its AI work, right? Like if you're telling the algorithm to go (laughs) and achieve a goal which is not a very well thought out goal, well then you're obviously your marketing results are not gonna be well thought out. So that's kind of the first thing that really speaks there is you're really gonna need to make sure that you have your tracking solid and that matters a lot more as Google Analytics is transitioning right now from the old Google Analytics to a newer version called GA4. And so they've kind of signaled that next year they're making the big shift to GA4. And so e-commerce practitioners need to make sure that they are fully aware of what that means and how they're going to feed the AI, the information it needs to make the best decisions possible.
1: At a really high level, what does that change mean, the move to GA4?
0: Yeah, so GA4, so if you've been in the e-commerce space and you've had a website, I'm sure you're very familiar with Google Analytics Google Analytics has been around for a long time. I think it was originally bought from Yahoo, like part of the old Urchin code. It's been a long time, but it's been around forever. And it's just not seen huge, significant change. It's seen, I liken it to like, we have a (laughs) a fence in my backyard, right? That keeps coming undone. And so I put another nail in it every now and then. Now, eventually that board has started to split. And so like, (laughs) I'm going to have to replace that board. That's kind of what's happening with GA4. It seems like, hey, we have taken Google Analytics, they've put enough kind of nails and duct tape on it. They've decided that, hey, it's time just for an overhaul. And so they're going to GA4, and GA4 is going to allow the same tracking experience across different platforms. So it'll tie in your app if you have an app with your, website data, allow for what Google is really starting to coin the omni-channel shopper and allow for visibility across all of their products, all of their channels that customers can interact with. Does that answer your question on j
1: Yeah, so it's sort of like the new and improved Google Analytics needing to sort of repay some technical debt from having a fairly legacy kind of platform.
0: Right. And the biggest thing to know is it's just you actively have to do something on your website to change it. So oh. it's not something that's just going to click over magically for you right now. I mean, you make sure you go and enable it and have, I think it's scheduled to be kind of start sunsetting and the old Google Analytics will take no new information starting next July is kind of the time frame that Google has given us. So it's kind of important that by the end of June, if you can get GA4 up and running so that you're running the old analytics and the new analytics for a year before yeah. you go over so that you have historical data and can do year-over-year comparisons.
1: Oh, that is such a good point. Yeah, times are ticking on that one, folks. <laughs> that's takeaway number one is get savvy on GA4.
0: Right, and again, that's kind of more on the analytics side. For Google Marketing Live, it's really focuses on the Google Ads properties But again, the piece that matters so much there is just GA4 is what's going to feed a lot of that analytics data to your Google Ads property so that it can make the right decisions for you in the bidding auctions.
1: Got it. So anything else to know about AI and Google's, you know, the future of advertising is AI driven, that's going to be relevant for consumer brands?
0: Yeah, just some big things that came out signaling it was Google's going all in on Performance Max campaigns. And Performance Max campaigns are another kind of AI-driven feed-based ad. So you see in Google search, when you see the images popping up or across display, and now even across video ads, they're going to start showing feed-driven ads through this AI-driven platform in this Performance Max product. And it's for me, you know, It's kind of flying under the radar. You know, Google's been signaling and moving traffic over and over and over to it. And they're now kind of publicly proclaiming this is the future. And it's interesting because we do a lot of kind of reporting from the back end. And so we look at APIs and performance max campaigns have a completely different kind of API kind of look than other campaigns. And so when I noticed that, I was like, this is probably going to be a bigger deal for the future. Again, the whole concept of like, We're coming out with new now, not like improvement on improvement or duct tape on duct tape. So that was just kind of a big signal to me to really start paying attention and testing Performance Max. And so Google's going to start allowing a lot of A-B testing Mm. options within the Google Ads property for Performance Max campaigns so that you can become comfortable with the concept of AI-driven bidding (laughs) and it's their way of trying to provide more transparency into what's happening. The way they're going to do that is by saying, hey, you know, I likened it to the old way was, hey, automation is good. Trust us. Well, Google's taking it a bit of a step further saying, hey, automation is good. Trust us. But you can also test it now. Like Mm. So they're they're just trying to be a little bit more open and try to get you a little bit more comfortable with it. So those were kind of the big things with the AI driven ad
1: platforms. That's really interesting. And it's good that they did that because there is Like Amazon, a real distrust from advertisers in some ways. Of yeah, you come out and say this is AI driven. It's great. It's going to make you more money. Just trust us. It doesn't work with you know behemoths like Google and Amazon. There's a healthy degree of skepticism from a lot of advertisers because at the end of the day, you know what's in Amazon or Google in this case is best interest over the long term for sure, it's that advertisers trust the system and want to spend more money there because they're getting a good ROI. But, you know, the skeptical advertiser in the short term is going to think, well, you know, the more I spend is the more that Google is going to make from ad revenue, and they don't really care about that outcome in the short term.
0: Yeah, and I think the skepticism is healthy. And I love the shift to more testing, because I think it's going to be just a huge thing in the new kind of privacy-driven world that we're transitioning. And again, that's probably my third point. But this privacy-driven world that we have is going to really lean on aggregated data to make decisions. So with that in mind, I think like the need in the for consistent and well-tracked testing so that you're continually moving things forward is just going to be very significant for the future.
1: So let's move on to the second theme that you took away here, which is that Google seems to signal that creative matters again. Explain that.
0: Yeah, you know, they kicked off Google Marketing Live talking about new kind of video ad formats and ways that you can start doing a lot more with video and images and everything like that. And then again, too, with the idea of testing the type of images you can go. So AI can make decisions about this person and the history it sees in that person's kind of data that, Google's allowed to see, but AI can't make necessarily the best decisions yet on which creative to serve. And so the only way Google is really starting to be able to do that is through, again, testing. And so they want to inspire people to test a lot of different types of ad creative so that you can get to really that pinnacle moment of the right time with the right message. And so I think that's kind of the big second takeaway from Google is they're going from this World of pure data-driven academia to a more of a focus on art for a time being, and I've seen them make the shift a couple of times, and I think it's healthy, right? Like it's healthy in schools to have a lot of different classes into u- classes and to use both sides of your brain. And I think we're just entering into a time where Google is really starting to try to think creatively and think more about that messaging and that what's going to be inspiring and really drive that deep connection with brands through visuals
1: Hmm. any specific ideas or advice that you'd have for a e-commerce advertiser around this
0: yeah my big advice is test everything like i think we get into lanes and we think that we know our market so well that we start to become i think laser focused in one direction when maybe you shift a little right or a little left and there's some gold that we're just missing, right? Like we have mm-hmm. the, the horse with the blinders on. And so I would say test a little broader than you think would be a big advice I have. Like I said, an automation direct. When I first pitched, hey, let's try social media to get industrial engineers it definitely did not like, it was not a well-received idea. They were like, seriously, on social media? And I was like, hey, let's just test it and see what happens. And like I said, we, it, it turned into a profitable platform for us. And it was because we just figured out that, hey, that's where grandpa is going to check out his grandson. And that was just our target demographic. And again, it was a complete surprise to us, but it was a happy surprise. And again, if you have the blinders too much on to, this is our brand. We've got to stick to it. We've got to, you know, not veer one way or the other. And I'm not saying do that mass public kind of thing. This is in digital advertising where you can drip it out. You can test it, make sure that it's going to resonate. And so I would just say, hey, widen the view a little bit more, test a little bit more. And then I would also say, make sure that you track your tests. I think in our industry, people use tests very lucidly, (laughs) I guess that's a word, but I would say put some more scientific rigor around things you're calling tests. Give it a hypothesis. Make sure that you're tracking it because I do believe that the only way to make sure you're making steps forward is to track it.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. Couldn't agree more. And, and in the work that we do on Amazon and marketplaces, yeah, there's, we're happy to be wrong. You know, Let the data decide. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion about which ad's going to perform best, but let the results tell you for sure. Yeah. And Google's coming out with
0: more kind of and different types of creative ads. You know, they showed an ad that's really based off of 3D modeling so that you can physically take a chair and put it in your space using mm. AR right Love before it. you buy it. And so again, just think of the way they're headed. And so not only do you need to think of your full ad and what it's saying, but you also need to start really paying attention to each of the pieces of your ad, right? Like, because you can take those pieces, chop them up and test them in different variations. And so when, I, when we talk about creative, it's not necessarily, you know, the Mad Men model of let's put people together and come out with one great slogan to test. Mm-hmm. But really it's like focus on all the good ingredients so that then you can make something special. I have a friend that's a chef. His name is Hans He was on the Next Food Network star. And he used to say, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken poop right? And so that's kind of it. You can't make a beautiful kind of ad if you don't have the right ingredients. And so focusing a lot on kind of the pieces and the parts of the ads and making sure they're high quality, I think will matter in the future more than it has in the past.
1: Yeah. Interesting. All right. So final point that you made was more specifically around Omni shopping and Omni e-commerce that Google is signaling the importance for more holistic measurement. So what does that mean? Yeah, no, I think Google had a whole
0: section dedicated to e-commerce specifically. And the time I think they use, I think we could go back and count how many times they used Omni hmm. <laughs> in that talk. It would be kind of astounding. It's kind of the way they're also making a case for AI by saying, you know, we used to think of marketing really in a very flat way, right? Like you see an ad on TV, we say that was an impression, we hypothesize that then you come to a store right? Then digital comes along. We taunt that we can track everything, right? And so now we go to this kind of last click attribution of, okay, you saw this ad, you clicked on it and you bought it. And so that must be what drove it. And then we start going into this funnel model, right? Like, oh, okay. We realize there's many steps within this path, right? You become aware through impressions and then you start to get clicks. And then after you educate somebody, then you get the purchase. And so now they're just saying, hey, you know what? All of that we're just realizing is way more complicated than we've ever thought. And there is just so many possible paths that somebody can take and so many different ways that somebody can learn about you. And it's changing at a very alarming rate, right? They call it out to the way COVID has changed digital shopping and how those kind of habits that we developed by shopping online have not necessarily changed Now that shopping in the store has opened up, right? Like you are now more likely in the store to also check online for a price for reviews. And so, because that's just so dynamic and changing so fast, and there's so many different paths, it's really the reason why they're saying you really have to start using machine learning and AI to make those bidding choices so that you, because you just can't physically keep up.
1: Yep, that makes sense. And just on the, you mentioned the continued use of. The word omni, I think that that's just an easy way to avoid saying the big bad A word. <laughs> but it is true and that's a huge challenge that we see with retail media specifically as well is the path to purchases is disrupted now and people are discovering something on TikTok and buying it for the first time on Amazon because they just open up their Computer and search for it there. But then the next time they purchase it, it might be on Instacart. So we just see, and actually understanding the first and last touch point for that shopper is really, really challenging because these are all essentially walled gardens where there's no incentive for them to share data or insights between them because it's every man for himself with these uh, walled gardens of ad platforms. Yeah. And kind of,
0: look, I've been in the industry, you know, long enough to, to see a couple of of cycles. And so what's interesting to me too, is when you start thinking through retail media, you think through Google search, you think through social, you think through, you know, Amazon versus our site versus in store. I've been through it enough to say, Hey, it's going to change again in the future, (laughs) right? Like I've seen it where consumer trends were more apt to go by on from a store, from an online store, than on Amazon. I've seen that trend start to shift more recently, to be completely honest, as shipping costs have increased. And it seems like consumers are really wanting to take advantage of Amazon's kind of shipping deals, and especially for lower-priced items. But the thing to note is it's going to shift again. And so I don't know who said it. I should look it up. It's horrible that I haven't. But it was, somebody said, you know, success is where opportunity meets preparedness. Yes. And so I firmly believe that our job as marketers is to be as prepared as we can for those shifts. And part of that's going to be making sure that we're tracking each channel. We're doing as much as we can to think through the whole omnipresence of a customer and how they're making a decision. And honestly, too, that's kind of not to get marketing here for ourselves, but that's kind of the whole thesis of Acadia is like, how do we help Clients be as prepared for those shifts as possible so that marketers aren't getting themselves into a, oh, well, I've gone all in on Amazon and now I have to make a shift and it's going to take, you know, six months to a year to make that great shift so that you miss that opportunity. So we want to be prepared and we want to be agile to help people make those shifts as soon as possible. And so that's why I'm so excited to get to partner with you, Gary.
1: Oh, right back at you, Chad. Yeah. This is so helpful because, you know, I certainly get stuck in my. Tunnel vision of thinking about Amazon and marketplaces. But the reality is, nine out of 10 people listening to this podcast are also overseeing to some degree some kind of D2C paid search, paid social channel as well. And so I think this is just a useful crossover of our thinking as a company on these different segments and opportunities. So Chad, your write-up, which is on the Acadia blog, and we'll link to that in the show notes, was awesome. You covered all of those topics that we discussed today. And then also three things that you should be doing today to get ahead of these changes previewed at Google Marketing Live. So we'll link up to that blog post. Please check it out if you're interested in learning more. And Chad, I've got two quick, like rapid fire questions for you just to get you thinking on your feet again. I know you haven't had your afternoon cup of coffee today, so maybe this would give you a jolt of adrenaline. All right, let's go. (laughs) What's something that you've changed your mind about recently?
0: Ooh, maybe it's just the conversations and the way we've been going, but I feel like I have actually made it a shift in my thinking for and promotion of AI, right? (laughs) Like I don't think I was a big proponent of it when it first came out because I didn't trust it but I've seen it work now enough and I've gotten to talk to enough people to learn a little bit about it. So I think I'm actually changing my mind and going more and more over to the AI side.
1: Interesting. And what are you excited about?
0: I'm excited to be alive. And- <laughs> I'm excited to be part of an amazing world that's being innovative and trying to change and do good things. I'm excited to be part of an amazing company that I think has an amazing heart. And I'm even more proud and excited to be part of an amazing family. And so I'm just, I'm excited to wake up every day and try to make a bit of a positive difference in the world. And I feel like every day that I can see a little light is just an amazing day. And so that's what keeps me going. Awesome.
1: Well, thanks for joining me, Chad. I'll see you around the Atlanta office.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.